The legendary salesman and sales trainer Zig Ziglar is credited with this quote, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. The same could certainly be said of organizational performance. We know we need to set goals, but it begs the question, what should we be aiming at? One of the first steps on this journey is the practice of performance diagnostics. Recently, we had the chance to unpack this concept. Join us on the journey. Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Thiel. Today, we're talking about the concept and importance of performance diagnostics. You know, there's a tried and true saying in the business world that what gets measured gets improved. But you know what? It's actually more than that. It's about measuring the right things. Then and only then can you properly diagnose your organization's overall performance. Here to speak more on this essential topic is Chris Davis, a senior director in our business consulting practice here at GP Strategies. Chris, how are you today, sir? I'm good, Michael. Thank you for having me. And thanks to thanks for this forum. It's a, a great opportunity to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart and and the heart of my teams. I love it. Yeah, we are here in the virtual cloud. So Chris, before we start talking turkey, before we really get into the serious business here, I just want our audience, if they're out there driving or listening at work here, to just get to know you a little bit. So I'd like you to answer three things. The first thing is going to be, where do you live? Then share a little bit of your bio about how you came to become a senior director in business consulting. And then the challenge is going to be one fun fact about you. So are you good with that? I can, I think I can answer those. Yes. Okay, let's go for it. First of all, where, where are you um, virtually in from right now? Yeah, so I am in Fulton, Maryland is where I live, which happens to be about five miles from our corporate headquarters in Columbia. For those who aren't familiar with this general area, I always say about halfway between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C., right on the I-95 corridor. So I, I am fortunate enough to be able to work of, work from home and in this wonderful location. Tell me a little bit about how you've gotten into this world of business consulting. So what's your background? Yeah, great question. So I've been with the company for oof, a whole lot of years, 22 plus years. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Okay. Uh, and, a couple and, decades. A couple decades. And, and prior to that, I I served in the Navy and I was a a nuclear engineer on submarines. And so if you think about, and I'll bring these two together here for you. If you think about the idea of operating a submarine underwater, performance is at the heart of being able to do that effectively and safely. And so having teams, having organizations that are, are able to get the most in terms of performance out of it has always been something that's been the forefront of my mind since my time in the Navy. And I've been fortunate enough as I've been with GP Strategies to be able to, to bring a lot of that same thinking into the business world. So again, 22 plus years ago started, uh, have had the opportunity to work across a number of different industries, retail, uh, manufacturing, both discrete uh, and, and process, uh, I've worked in the healthcare space. I mean, just 
a number of different industries. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy most about a consulting environment is just the opportunity to talk with a lot of different customers, with a lot of different challenges, a lot of different environments. It never gets boring. Well, I knew you were a smart guy. I mean, I've I've been on a couple of client engagements with you. I'm like, okay, this guy, he's he's got something going here, but I didn't realize you were at the nuclear level. So that's that's a fun fact. But share another fun fact with us. That's already pretty darn impressive. We could just cut this one right now. I think we've got a podcast. But yeah. <laughs> uh, what's something about Chris Davis? Like, what do you do for fun when you're clocking off uh, the clock here and you're not consulting with clients? Yeah. So, uh, you know, first off, let me backtrack to the nuclear smart piece there. Here, <laughs> here at GP, I am not unique in that regard. We've got a number of people who who got their start in the Navy the same way I did. So I won't use that as my fun fact. And my fun fact okay. is actually not something that I do on a regular basis. However, it is something that I learned to do when I was a child. And, and I grew up in Hawaii. I was a military brat and spent a bulk of my time in Hawaii. And as part of the curriculum in our in my school, I had to learn how to hula dance. And so oh that, my that's my fun fact. And there are very few people in my adult life who have actually seen me do it, but it is possible. <laughs> it, it is something I can still do. <laughs> okay, well, if we want to go for a ratings grab, maybe we'll switch to more of the vodcast and, uh, and have to have you on as the kickoff promo on that one. So save That's your right. grass skirt for later right. here, but you uh, never know. You never know. <laughs> okay, Chris. So again, thank you for making time again. We're talking about uh, performance diagnostics within this world of business consulting. So formally, I know that you lead the business consulting practice here at GP strategies and uh, among other things that does include performance diagnostic solutions as a formal tool, a formal offering here. So I've heard you talk about the interrelated factors that contribute to an organization's performance. So I wondered, can you talk for a moment about what that means and how we apply that with our client organizations? Sure, Michael. I think, you know, let me, I, I want to level set first, right? Because everyone is living business today and and it is just it's no longer business as usual in in our global environment and the pace at which change happens uh, in the business world today. Historically, during periods of stability, in, improving performance or enhancing performance within an organization was a really relatively straightforward thing that could be done, right? Undertaking. However, in today's fast-paced and fast-changing environment, you know that that's not it's not as easily done as as we've been able to address in the past and we look at the things that drive performance within an organization along really in two domains one is this external domain so those are those are things that are outside of the control of the organization if you think about it in terms of you know the environment the political climate the social climate you know, what, what is the market competition for your organization out there? Those are things that are out there. They need to be understood because they, they really help an organization set the strategy to achieve certain business results. But then there's the internal factors that, that is really where when we talk about our performance diagnostic, this is what we focus in on. This is what we hone in on. The internal factors are those things that sit within the control 
of the organization, and they are what's important and help to either influence through enablement or serve as a barrier, an obstacle to executing on the strategy that's been defined, right? And those are things like uh, having, having clearly stated organizational goals, making sure you've got the right people as part of your organization, hired in with the right skill set placed into an organizational structure that is aligned, that allows work processes that are well-defined, supported by technology, that is, that is there to help drive uh, the outcomes that people do, and, and that you've got the right incentives and you've got the right metrics in place to help make sure that all of those five factors that I just talked about are aligned and, and are working in concert to help drive the strategy. So when we talk about organizational performance, we talk about it in terms of this system of performance that, that is made up of these in, internal factors that companies have the ability to control and address when problems are arising. Got it. And you know what? One of my challenges here was going to be having you explain this to me like I'm a six-year-old. That's one of my favorite lines from a Denzel Washington movie from way back in the 90s. Uh, I think it was Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken here. So, you know, thinking about this and, and really breaking down this art and science of performance diagnostics. I imagine the first step is to get everyone on the same page within your organization. Is that a fair statement, Chris? It is. It is. I mean, oftentimes when when we are brought in to help our client sort of dig into something's wrong, right? We've done done something and we believe we have a strategy in place for something that is supposed to yield certain business results for us. And they're not doing it right. We don't, and we don't understand why, or perhaps they do understand why, and they think they know the the reason why. One of the first steps that we do is work to make to do what we call stakeholder alignment. It's fairly standard industry term and and step, and that is to make sure that we are clear and understand for the stakeholders within the business what it is that they are trying to drive, what are the results that they are looking to achieve, and where do they think those breakdowns are occurring, right? What's the cause of not being okay. able to achieve this, right? So that first step is very critical because I, I often say this, and, and I think we've all experienced this in a, in a number of different ways, either in our, our professional <laughs> life or in our personal life. You can ask 10 people, a pretty straightforward question, something that you think has a very straightforward answer. And you'll get 12 different answers, right? You only ask 10, but you're going to get 12. (laughs) I say this to some of our clients and they chuckle when I do it, but they, they know that they, they know it because they've experienced it themselves. And, and so oftentimes that first step is critical because it gets them all aligned to what's the problem that we are trying to address and, and making sure that we've sort of created this clarity of intent around what the problem is, what are the results they're looking for, where do they think there's an issue with it. Okay, when we've got that set, now we can start to move forward with them. Okay, so using our Denzel Washington analogy here, you're saying 
You got to start with stakeholder alignment. And that really is just getting different employees, right? In different facets of the business. They're getting in a room, whether it's a virtual room or it's in person saying, okay, we agree. These are the challenges. Fair yeah. enough. I'll give, I'll give you an example, a client example we have. And this, this happened in the retail space. Uh, we had a client who approached us that said our sales, our retail sales organization and function, they don't have enough product knowledge, right? Our goal is to drive what they term basket share. That is how much, you know, how much is the average sale of a customer as they walk through and buy stuff? They wanted okay. that to pull up, right? <clears throat> but the problem that they thought they had was that their their employee base, their sales associates, didn't know enough about their products to appropriately drive sales with the customers. Right now, it, it took uh, some some significant alignment with the business executives, the in store executives, to get clear from them that. Yes, we're trying to solve a basket share issue. And yes, we believe the problem is a lack of product knowledge because there are a lot of different opinions about what that meant. And, and so if, if we don't hone in on it and gain agreement up front, then you really don't know what problem you're chasing at that point, right? So it's very critical to, to get that out in the open in the very beginning. And it's, it's oftentimes a step that our clients they kind of pull back a little and they say, wait, we know what the we know what this is. But when you dig deeper with a lot of different people who have their hand in that challenge, everyone's perception of the challenge or the issue is just a little bit different. And so you've got to get that all aligned together. Anytime you're going in, Chris, as a consultant, I know that you bring that perspective that's broader than the internal clients may have. But at the other hand, you think about that you're working with people that they, A, they really know their business and B, they may have their own ideas about what needs to be done from just that domain expertise. So my question to you is this, coming in with your broad perspective, working with really individuals with sharp domain expertise, how well do those ideas tend to fit with your findings and what do you do when there's a disconnect or a discrepancy between, let's say, perception versus reality? Kind of a loaded, long question. So if we need to break uh, that down, let me know. No, no, I, I, I think I, I think I get the gist of what you're getting it's at. It's a nine-part question. <laughs> I love that you use the term perception versus reality because, you know, even even once you get alignment, um, you know, I use the I use the it's a cliche term really, but oftentimes those who know their business the best are so deep into the weeds that they have a real difficult time pulling back to consider the entire view that's in front of them, right? Mm. They, get, they get focused on something that, that may have an impact on their performance, right? It may be a contributing component to what's going wrong in the organization, uh, but it may not be the only thing. And it may not be the most critical factor mm. that's impacting performance, right? So, so one of the steps that we have to take is to really begin to align perception to reality in this case, because in this instance, perception isn't reality always, right? Just because we think that a lack of product knowledge 
is the challenge that's being faced doesn't mean it really is a lack of product knowledge. And so the steps that we take and that broader view that we bring is really in helping to guide our, our clients, guide our customers in pulling back a little bit. Let's let's get from the 10-foot level to the 50-foot, 100-foot level. And now let's think about it holistically in terms of those five or six factors that I talked about for performance and, and begin to dive into, right? We understand now because we've aligned on what the results are that they're looking for and where they think the challenges are. That gives us the space that we need now to go test those hypotheses against those factors that enable performance and dig into them. And so oftentimes what, what we see is that, you know, there's there are challenges with the alignment of the strategy or the structure or the process, you know, the metrics, the people, right? Those right. That we talked about. And it shows up. And it shows up in very tangible ways, right? When the strategy is not clear um, and and maybe people don't fully understand what it is, then people are marching in the organization or marching off in different directions and they're driving after different things and they're focusing on different priorities. Well, if you have to have an organization that, to use my nautical terms, is rowing in the same direction, how mm-hmm. can they do that if they're not agreed on and clear on what the priorities are. If the structure, the organizational structure isn't aligned the way it should be to support that strategy, then that shows up in the form of weak execution, right? Bad decision-making because no one knows how decisions are made within the organization to support the business, or they don't have the ability to mobilize the right resources, to execute the work that they have to execute. So we then go and we work through uh, uh, digging into each of those factors to really begin to say, we understand your perception, but let me tell you what the reality is. And yes, product <laughs> knowledge may be a part of it, but you have you, you don't have the, the right structural alignment for your organization that allows people to make the right decisions in the moment to support your customers. Mm. You don't have the right technology structure in place that will allow the flow of information about your customers because they feel like, you know, in the healthcare environment is a classic space of this. We've all experienced it. We go into the emergency room. We give our data to the receptionist. We go back into the back. The nurse comes in. They ask the exact same questions and we provide them. (laughs) Exactly. Then the the other nurse comes in, or at some point the doctor comes in and asks the exact same set of questions. And and over this time, it creates this frustration. The same is true when you don't have technology aligned within an organization to support the flow, right? So for that customer example. So that that's the step that we take is to really get them aligned to what reality is and where the breakdowns are happening beyond what they just thought. Okay. So what I was going to ask you is, you know, and again, without divulging client or industry elements here, but if we just tie back to this initial stakeholder alignment where you had your, your, your clients that were saying, okay, we think product knowledge is a problem and you've gone through all these steps to discover reality. 
do you have anything juicy for us in terms of that kind of an example of what reality was versus the initial perception? Yeah, sure. Dish uh, for us, Chris, here. Come on. <laughs> in this particular example, so the 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 hypothesis, the perception was right. that the sales associates didn't know and understand the product knowledge well enough to be able to position and sell that to their customers. And so the, you know, the knee-jerk reaction to that or the the logical reaction to that is we've got to get more product knowledge in the hands of these of these associates build it into their training, build it into their onboarding, build it into their reinforcement mechanisms. But as we went through this diagnostic process, there were several factors that popped up. The first factor was that, number one, compared to their competition in the market, they were over-indexed on product knowledge Hmm. to, to the tune of about three to one. So it wasn't that the sales associates didn't understand the product set. It was that they didn't know or have the skills on how to uncover the specific needs of the customer in the moment, right? So that becomes sort of a process perspective, a sales process perspective. And then behind that, there wasn't the right technology landscape that would would rapidly allow them to work the, the, the customer through the process. And, th- and this is, you know, in this particular environment, there are simple sales and then there were complex sales depending on the product set, right? And, and it. it was more geared towards those complex sales, right? The technology became a barrier for the sales associates to affect the sale and, and they would lose it. So what we, what we really came down to in terms of reality was number one, you can dial back on your product knowledge. Number two, You've got, we've got to get some, some, some sales processes in place that will enable them to truly dig in and understand customer needs. And, and number three, and there were a bunch of others, but we'll, we'll land on sure. Number three, the technology landscape has to be better aligned to the sales process to help facilitate and enable that in the moment, right? So if we had just focused on product knowledge, it would have been a miss. Absolutely. And it sounds like you would have been adding uh, fuel to the fire, right? They already had plenty of, of information. It was how do you understand that kind of the art and science of understanding the customer? And then do you have the right sales enablement tools to then help that customer make an informed decision? So that's a perfect example of the value of performance diagnostics and and I love it. And that's the kind of thing I've personally, and again, I'm not pretty, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because Chris, this is what you do. But when I've seen this happen, it's pretty exciting because then you see that light bulb go off where a client goes, oh, now I'm confident in making an investment. Or I can go to my executive team and say, this is exactly where we need to double down. You know, it feels feels really good. You can sleep a little little easier at night on that end. So let's say this, let's say that you have, agreement right with your stakeholders and and you say okay here's here's what the real problem is what happens next like what's the next step in the process yeah so you know once once we 
have really aligned on all the things that are truly impacting the performance and preventing you or preventing the organization from achieving the results that they want to achieve. Now you now we start to work with them to, to prioritize uh, addressing those breakdowns in, in a manner that makes sense, right? Companies don't have unlimited resources. We understand that, right? We'd love to of be course. able to say, here are the 10 things that are, <laughs> that are really affecting in this particular instance, you know, basket share. In another client example, uh, customer renewal rates, right? These are the 10 things that are really affecting your customer renewal rates. Uh, let's tackle them all. You got unlimited money, unlimited resources, <laughs> unlimited time, off we go. And we know that's not the case. And so we work with our clients then to prioritize these factors based on one, the severity of the breakdown, right? Which of these has the biggest and the greatest impact on performance? Okay. I'll, give you, I'll give you a different client example. Uh, we had a we had a customer that um, within within their customer service department had responsibility for renewals of a uh, service offering. So you buy that product, they happen to be an automotive company. If you buy that product, then there's sort of this service offering that that you get for a period of time. Right. And the challenge they were facing is that renewal rates were really low for this, this service. Once you got to the point where the service was no longer free and they had to pay for it. Okay, got it. So the perception for this particular organization was, yep, we just don't know. We don't know how to position and, and, and sell this, right? The reality was that the incentives that were aligned for these, these customer service reps incented not renewing the service. Hmm. Wow. So, so you know, the incentives that are supposed to drive the kind of behavior that you want and the business results that you want were misaligned. It wasn't that they didn't know what a good, uh, you know, what what it meant to renew the service with the customer. It's that there were varying definitions of what a good renewal was. Okay. My individual as a service rep, my individual compensation was better if I went in the direction that was different than what was being measured. At this point, we were able to say to to the client, look, training isn't the issue here. It has, yes, that has a factor to it. Your biggest problem, the thing that is impacting performance the most is that the incentives for these individuals are misaligned. So let's design a program that matches the incentives to drive the results that you're looking for, right? So that, that creates a prioritization. That was a that was the the biggest impact, and if we address that and could only address that, it was going to get the biggest return. and And the net result was, you know, pretty significant. I think it was about a you know twenty five to thirty percent improvement in renewal rates in the first. <laughs> so you know that's the big step is to be able to say with with the client, let's figure out what's what's the most severe or has the biggest impact. Let's see, you know, that are we clear on what those indications of that breakdown are and how quickly can we address this? And we put Mm. together a a prioritization plan and and an action plan that's clear 
and laid out in a way that sort of builds on the results in the time frame that the client can can work to improve them. And, and I would say it's um, speaking a bit as a fan is that it's a pretty cool thing if you are a learning and development organization, or, or at least that's a wing of what GP Strategies does. But if you can go to a client and say, hey, your issue maybe isn't training, or that's, that is 10% of it, here's a true workforce transformation challenge that you're going to get your ROI on right there. I think that's 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 pretty exciting, and that's one of the things that I've I've found in my in my year and a half here. That's really a unique element, uh, a unique nuance with GP strategies. Is yes, we can handle learning and development, but that's just one piece of of that puzzle right there. So, Chris, if we're you know, I'd love to keep you all day long. I'm looking at our counter clock. We're having a, a good conversation here. But um, if we needed to end this, because I know you're getting pinged from a million emails and everyone's dying to talk to Mr. Chris Davis here. So uh, what should leaders take away from this conversation? For example, what should they be keeping in mind when they're thinking about performance shortfalls and how to fix them? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway, Michael, is, is for leaders to be open to digging deeper right? Be open to acknowledging that there's not just one thing that's probably affecting the performance that you're looking for. And, 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 and to begin to think themselves about organizational performance as a system of factors that when aligned work well. When any one of those factors is not aligned, that's where the problems happen, right? So, I think we, you know, we tell our, we tell ourselves to be open-minded when we address problems. And I think, I think that's what we're saying here is be open-minded to thinking bigger and digging deeper into what, what truly is impacting the, the desired performance you're trying to achieve. Chris, on behalf of our many listeners around the globe, thank you for sharing your insight today. We truly appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.